Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 316 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021, and we are here to give you some updates on some very troubling things that are happening in the NBA and all sports, really. The probability of having some Duke Blue Devils in the Olympics and the moment you've all been waiting for, the results of the survey we conducted a couple months ago that many of you participated in, and we thank you for that. But before we get into all that, Donald Wine here, your host. I have my friends Sam Klein and Jason Evans with me. Sam, good morning to you. Good morning, Donald. I Yesterday, so since the fall, I've been working in a, you know, office job, quote unquote, where I've been working from home. Um, theoretically, I'm supposed to be working in an office in Boston, although I have not done that yet. And yesterday, I went to a happy hour with my colleagues for the first time. So all the people that I've been working on Zoom with since the fall, uh, I finally got to meet them from more than, you know, uh, mid torso up, which was which was fascinating. So and, and really so, wonderful. Do, do they all have legs? One, they all have legs, right? Everyone had legs. <laughs> Let's say uh, I, I hope one that you that everyone was wearing pants. Uh, but the other question I have is, did you all when you guys left do the wave like you do on zoom when everyone signs off of zoom everyone has to wave i should have i should have thought to do that my my biggest question going in was how tall is everybody and right I found that there <laughs> there are a range of heights in my in my uh, people who work at my job as there should be as there should be D diversity is great uh jason Evans, good thing. morning to you are you uh, uh, are you still are you still on vacation or are you back I'm still on vacation. I'm still at the Jersey Shore. I've been up here for a few weeks. Um, coming back at the end of this week uh, after my son's graduation, I have an interesting little story for both of you. So I do, as you guys know, I love to bike. I was biking along the uh, Atlantic City boardwalk yesterday and um, a cute little nine-year-old, 10-year-old girl out of nowhere, wasn't paying attention to what she was doing, doing and she jumped right in front of my bicycle out of, you know, like out of the blue. I slammed on the brakes. Little girl is fine, but Jason is banged up. <laughs> my bike went, yeah, my bike went tumbling when I um, slammed on the brakes to avoid this girl. I have a, my neck is killing me and, and my wrist hurts a lot and I got a scrape on my arm. Um, and I, I do feel vindicated though. After uh, this happened, a police officer who saw it all came over, asked me if I was okay, and then turned to her parents and began scolding them so uh, he, he proved that I was in the right uh, and that this little girl who almost got plowed over was, was wrong. I was going to say, what, did the parents apologize or off they did. They, or something like I that? I think they recognized that their girl had not done the right thing. Yeah. And you're still oh, podcasting glad you're okay. the next day. Yeah. You know, that's, that's commitment. That's dedication. We, we're, we're glad you're okay. You, you looked fine. So, so if you hadn't told that story, we would not have thought any differently. But so oh, no, now he's going to show us his wrist. Ready? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, for those you out there, that's a the nice, a nice little yeah. scrape. Yeah. As they say in Tommy Boy, that's going to leave a mark. Um, but that's better than than the the alternative, which is you not being okay. So we're glad you're safe. We're glad well, you're, the you're real ahead. alternative was this poor girl getting run over by me on my bike. <laughs> oh, that's also probably that too. bad. Yes, probably, I, I also was, probably bad. I would much rather me get hurt a little bit, you know, some sprains and and stuff like that, than plowing into a, a nine year old girl. Jason, in a way, this is kind of a segue into our first topic of, uh, of this episode, which is the ugly side of sports. And with the return of fans to the arenas and to baseball diamonds and soccer fields, we've seen some very great moments. And the roar of that crowd is something that I know we've all missed. But 
it seems somewhere between March 2020 and now, some people have lost all their home training. There has been a slew of ugly moments where fans are throwing things at players on the court or on the field. Kyrie Irving uh, most notably had a water bottle thrown at him after a game in Boston. We've seen Russell Westbrook get popcorn thrown at him in Philadelphia and a Washington Wizards fan rush the court at home a game later. Trey Young had a New York Knicks fan spit on him and John Morant's dad has experienced some racism in the stands while watching his son play in Utah. And that's just the NBA. We've had fans rushing the field at baseball games and soccer matches as well. This is not, we're going to focus on the NBA, but this is not an NBA problem. This is something that has happened across sports. So Sam, I, I want to ask you first, when we've waited so long, and I know all of us like going sport to sporting events, we've waited so long to get back to a point where we can go to sporting events safely. Why have fans gone so stupid and repeatedly crossed the line? I think you, you take something away from somebody for that long and there starts to there's this like built up uh, energy behind it. And people are so excited to get back and so excited to do all the things they've been thinking about doing. So I believe that, you know, normally all this bad behavior would get spread out. Now it's heightened. And in the case of the NBA, it's also happening that fans are coming back to arenas for the most part as the playoffs are happening. So it's like also at the most intense point in the season and people have really forgotten their boundaries in, in the course of this. So I, I hope that, the attention that, that this is getting across, you know, sort of national sports media, us talking about it, people sort of across the sports landscape talking about it means that that folks are going to uh, take a few moments and and stop and think about about what they're doing. It is really disappointing. And and I wish that that people would show a little bit more uh, restraint when it came to, to going to professional sporting events. And by the way, the, the, the way that some of these things have happened in the NBA with Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving and stuff, it, it also displays a, a little bit of, um, it, it's sort of a lack of humanity for the, for the people that are putting on these uniforms. And if anything over the last year, if, if I've learned anything over the last year, it's that it, it's okay to, to take a few extra moments and appreciate the humanity and the person that you're interacting with. And, and that's something that, that is, you know, unfortunately and, and sadly missing in, in a lot of these interactions. You know, uh, you're 100% right, Sam. It, 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 to hearken back, as Donald was saying, to, to my instant with the little girl, like my instinct was don't, don't hurt her. You know, you, that you want, um, you want to do the right thing. And, and I think so many of these people aren't thinking about the consequences of their actions Jason, and you literally like, I mean, like when it, going back to your, your accident, you literally put yourself in harm's way to avoid hurting a little girl. Uh, yeah. Right? I mean, like, look, don't, don't make me out to be a saint or something like that. I, I, I did, I did do this while I was biking in front of casinos that I'm planning to visit tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, one thing I think that basketball fans don't think about, and, and so much of this has happened in basketball lately. That's, that's where the if you want to call it a crisis, that's where the problem uh, is really rearing its ugly head. Um, basketball is truly unique in pro sports because the fans are right there next to the field of play with nothing separating them from the action. And, and think about, you know, in, in baseball, football, soccer, hockey, all these other sports and every other sport, there's a barrier. And, and often there, there are, you know, are numerous security guards, uh, you know, sidelines with other player, uh, you know, with and other a lot players more and space. officials. Right. Yeah, more, in basketball, exactly. It's not just that there's no barrier, but they're right next to the court. Like we often see players ending up in the stands in basketball. 
Yeah, but but I mean, like the, the guy in D.C. who ran on the on the court, he came from like the 15th row or something like, like way up in the stands. And he just ran right down. Right. And, and there was nothing to stop him or slow him or anything like that. Um, I guess in some ways, you know, baseball comes the closest. I mean, the baseball players, the field of play is right up against the stands, but it stands as opposed to courtside seats and i think and, and when a when a guy jumps out of the stands at a baseball game you've got a few seconds of everyone reacting to it yeah like like mm-hmm. if you're in it, it, i know this is the case in dc i've been to a few basketball games there but any basketball arena especially in the space behind the the space behind the baskets it's not that deep so like i i don't think you can safely unless you're a good athlete run down the the sort of sidelines in basketball because it's just like it's too steep of a staircase but running down the end zones like it's basically flat you can just like get ahead of steam coming slightly downhill and you can go careening right into the court with no one stopping you. And the reason I bring all this up is if fans don't start acting appropriately, then people are going to suggest barriers. They're going to suggest, okay, we need to make ways of keeping the fans separate from the players. And I think one of the great things about basketball is the fact that you are right there up against the sidelines. Think about us as Duke students, uh, former Duke students, the, the three of us, but uh, one of the great things about Cameron is the fact that the fans are right there next to the action, you know, chanting and making noise and doing our thing. Uh, yeah, we've got, you know, we've got press row or, or the benches, but but we're right there. And I, I think it would be tragic if, if at Duke and other places, they were forced to erect barriers to keep fans away because it, it's just, it, it, and, and, and by the way, um, a little bit of history for folks. Um, if this doesn't change, if fans continue to do this kind of stuff, we cannot expect, we hold the players to a higher standard. We cannot expect the players to continue to not respond at all. Someone, some player is going to go run our test on everyone. And, and I want everyone, I want the people out there. I know you guys know what I'm talking about probably, but mm-hmm. people don't, people may not remember the malice at the palace in 2004. Donald, I'm sure as a Detroit Pistons fan, you know all about it. But as a reminder, um, there, there was like a shoving incident in a uh, Pistons game against the Indiana Pacers and um, several Pacers players, including Ron Artest, Steven Jackson, and Jermaine O'Neal all went up into the stands. Ron Artest like punched out a dude, um, a, a, a Pistons fan. Um, they, they, ex- they received extremely stiff penalties for it. You know, guys were suspended 25, 30 games. Ron Artest was suspended for the entire season, but um, and, and, I want to make clear those players were to blame that time, but if it happens again, it may be that the fans are to blame. It it's funny that you bring that up because just recently us Pistons fans were blown away by this fact. Ron Artest is friends with the guy that he punched out in Detroit. Here's why. (laughs) Because he found out from the fan that the fan who threw the bottle, the, the bottle of water, or bottle of Coke, whatever that hit him, was not the fan that he punched out. It was his friend. His right, friend right. offered him fifty bucks to do that, and they laugh about it now, and they're friends and they joke about it. But I bring that up for this reason: a lot of people have been trying to say, "Oh, it's been alcohol that's to blame," or just the, the fact that people have been cooped up and they just need to release their aggression or angry. I have been angry at games, very angry. I have been despondent. I've never once taken something out of my hands and thrown it onto the field of play whether it's soccer, basketball, hockey, no matter what. Also, 
we have a culture where a lot of people, especially when you're rushing in the court or doing streaking or something like that, it's not alcohol that does it. It's peer pressure. And it's people going, hey, man, yo, go ahead, do it, do it. No, no, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Go ahead, do it. And then someone just says, forget it. I'll do it. And they just run on the, on the field because that is something that they think is funny and they think it's something that will help. You know, We'll be legends when we do this. This is what's happening. And a lot of times, yeah, there's anger because there's the playoffs. There's, you know, sometimes it's just anger. In the case of Kyrie, a lot of people felt he was he was disrespecting the Celtics and Boston in general by, you know, putting his feet on the logo after the game. Whatever it is, that is no excuse for taking something in your hand and throwing it onto the field of play in any arena, in any field, in any stadium. That shouldn't be a no-no. And the thing about it is it's going to punish the people that do pay their money and go and, and boo and cheer and do all the things that you're supposed to do at a game within, you know, within reason is going to punish them. Because imagine this, like you said, Jason, if they put in barriers and they say all college arenas and NBA arenas have put in arena, uh, barriers, that will fundamentally change Cameron Indoor Stadium. Fundamentally. That's my where, point. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you going to put, you know, a, you know, 1700 kids if you have to erect a barrier? of some, you know, stature between the court and the players. There's no room left in Cameron. It will fundamentally change how Cameron operates. It will fundamentally change how it looks. And we all don't want that. That is a staple of college basketball. And that's not the only arena that would have to go through something like that. Donald, I'm glad that you brought up the, the, the particular stupidity around the Kyrie thing, where the affront apparently was that Kyrie stepped on the Celtics logo. Like, what? What are we talking about here? This is right. Like, yes, I understand that that fans get very passionate about their teams. We're obviously very passionate about Duke basketball, but like, I don't, I can't even imagine what a like UNC player or a Kentucky player would have to do in Cameron to make me be like, man, I like, like they're really disrespecting the whole enterprise here uh, in, and in a way that like, would get me that fired up to want to go, I don't know, throw something at them or, or something like, like, this is so stupid. The great, the, I don't know why people think great, this way. The other thing that, that you brought up uh, is, is the punishment involved here. And I did see an interesting uh, thing on Twitter yesterday that suggests, I can't remember who said it, but suggested that teams be punished for if, if there's some kind of incident like this in their home arena, that they could have fans removed for the next game. Like they have to play in front of an empty stadium or they do that or in something soccer like all the that. time. Yeah. They and, do that in soccer. Right. And, and this is, uh, this is apparently something that happens in soccer. I wasn't aware of this until yesterday, but I think it makes a lot of sense that it's, it, that's great incentive alignment here. Right. Cause most of these problems are coming from home fans berating, you know, road teams. So take away that incentive and, and make it hurt the teams and make it hurt the fan bases for, for people acting like idiots. And maybe that helps clean it up. Well, really quick, um, I actually think, yes, I think that's a good suggestion. I actually think the other thing is the NBA should put some pressure on local municipalities to, uh, by local, I mean the cities where NBA teams are based, to, to really go after the people who, who do stuff in arenas, um, to consider a lot of these acts to be a form of assault, because I think many of them are assault. And, and to prosecute people and, and to publicize that they're prosecuting people. If, if folks thought they were going to go to jail for doing this stuff, I think you would see a lot less of it. And then the other, the last thing I, I had, the other thing I wanted to mention was 
um, we've mostly talked about acts of, uh, of aggression, um, but, but words matter also. And, and you know, Donald mentioned, I, Donald, I was so glad when you, you gave the list at the beginning of the instance that had happened, um, the, the spitting, the pouring popcorn, the throwing the water bottle, the guy who ran on the court, but you also included what happened in Utah with John Morant's family being subjected to terrible racist abuse. Um, and, and, and that's the way, not the first time that it's happened in Utah. Yeah. Well, and by the way, um, the, the Utah team tried to make up for it. They, they offered like John Morant's entire family to, to fly them out, to put them up um, for, for, for game five. Uh, they said that, you know, they would give them great seats and, and all this other stuff. And John Morant's family accepted, except for his mom. His mother said, I'm not going to go. Essentially, she said, I'm never going back to that arena, to those people. Um, and I, I want to remind folks, you know, we talked, I talked about the malice at the palace, Ron Artest punching the fan. There's been another incident in NBA history where a player punched a fan. And that was um, uh, in 1995, a Portland Trailblazers game against the Houston Rockets where Vernon Maxwell, Mad Max, Vernon Maxwell punched a fan who had, um, who was taunting him about the fact that his wife had had a miscarriage. I mean, that's, that's horrific. That is a terrible, words matter. And, and I don't blame Vernon Maxwell one bit for, for going after that fan who had done that. He like broke the guy's jaw or something like that. I mean, like, <laughs> um, but people need to, need to know that it's not just actions we're talking about. It's also words. And, and yeah, you can cheer hard and you can, you know, I, I, look, this, I, I've been in Cameron. <laughs> I've said some stuff. Um, but, but you just need to, you need to think about exactly what you're doing and, and, and where the line is and, and God, just don't cross it and, and let's enjoy basketball the way we've enjoyed it for years and not have to change the rules of how these arenas are set up. Yeah. And to summarize what we just said, y'all need to get your home training back because some of y'all have lost it. It needs to return because you are not going to be the one that's punished. It's going to be us, the fans that do care and do care enough that we're not, we're going to be you know, good fans and, and try to go to sporting events and get back to what we were doing, you're going to throw us right back into this where there's not going to be fans of the arenas. There's going to be a fundamental change to how we view sports. And it's going to be because of the acts of a few. So the acts of a few need to stop it. This is, this is a group project. We've already failed a couple in this society. This is another group project. And I need you. I need y'all to come through on this one because we want to go to sporting events and enjoy them the way we did as passionate fans, where we can give our support, and give you know cheer and boo for our teams and for against other teams, but to do it responsibly and to do it within the realms of humanity, as Sam said. Uh, I do want to move on to the Olympics. The Olympics are coming up, at least we assume. Uh, we know there's been some talk back and forth of whether they will proceed. As of now, they are on. And for USA basketball, there's a couple of things we wanted to talk about. And, and I know we'll talk about some other uh, another team as well that is just to our north. But for USA basketball on the men's side, they will probably have the toughest decision on the planet outside of the head coach of the U.S. women's national team for soccer. Greg Popovich will have to decide which 12 guys he brings to Tokyo. But before we get into speculation. I want to start by giving a shout out on the women's side 
to our own Kara Lawson, who is the coach of the women's three by three team. Uh, I say three by three team, three V, three V. I can't even say. Actually, <laughs> hey Donald, you know what they actually yeah. call it? Three X three. Like that's that's the way. Like I heard Kara doing interviews, and she's uh-huh. been really involved in this for this enterprise for a while. They call it three X three, which is kind of. I think it's kind of cool, which is which is also weird because the because of the <laughs> um, the three x three team that's much easier to say uh, the women's three x three team for basketball her three x team three x three team qualified for the Olympics so she will take her team to Japan so congrats to Coach Kara we know of at least one Blue Devil that will be a part of the American Olympic delegation in the discipline of basketball and because it's a Blue Devil you love to see it don't you Jason Oh yeah yeah and and by the way this is uh, this this has been something Kara Lawson's been working toward for a while. She is now in her fifth year, believe it or not, her fifth year being involved with the USA Basketball coaching the three x three team, um, which I think is just you know it's sort of this this uh, anomaly of a regular basketball that we're not used to. But but it's kind oh no of no cool. no I have to disagree with you there. The Gus Macker tournament is the greatest tournament on the planet. It has been around for generations. And I have to say on the men's side, we did not qualify. And I say it's because they did not go to Gus Macker and just get the best team because the best team at Gus Macker will beat the Monstars in Space Jam. (laughs) Going to agree with Jason, which is that despite Donald's knowledge of this tournament, I don't believe that it has crossed over into the mainstream. So yeah, it is still, it is still a little bit of a, of a niche sport. Y'all don't remember slam ball. Come on now. Like, Look, we, we, we don't have, the, we don't have trampolines. It, yeah. Just because I've caught it on, on ESPN, the Ocho, you know, at, at four o'clock in the morning does not mean that, that it qualifies as, as big time sports. Uh, so I want to back on topic. I, I want to point out that Kara Lawson's accomplishment of getting the team to the Olympics is, is a big deal. They went 6-0 in Olympic qualifying to get there, and making the field is not easy. There will only be eight teams, only eight teams in the 3x3 field in Tokyo, and Kara Lawson has one of them. Um, The WNBA, by the way, is taking a break for a whole month to allow players to play in the Olympics, which means this 3x3 team has some pretty good WNBA players on it, um, including uh, Alicia Gray, who is the WNBA 2017 Rookie of the Year and like a consistent double-digit score. She's a really good player in the WNBA, and and she she's playing on the 3x3 team. By contrast, as you guys mentioned, the men bought brought a bunch of nobodies, um, who who guys who can't even sniff the G League, um, and, and as a result, the, the U.S. men didn't even qualify for for the Olympics. Um, and and I, I don't know why FIBA set up this rule for 3x3. Um, at least on the men's side, that you had to like compete in a bunch of three x three tournaments over the years to even be considered for for inclusion on the team. And as a result, basically all the really good basketball players in the world are not part of this because these are all guys who can't make a living playing five on five basketball. So they're trying to make a living playing playing three on three basketball. Uh, you know, I, I I don't understand why FIBA's so stupid. If they actually let you know, NBA players and, and, and not just American, but international NBA players play together. This would be a really fun, interesting tournament. Instead, it's going to be, I watched it. It's, 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 it's bad basketball. It's just not good enough. So I don't know. I don't know why they did it this way, but I'm really excited for Carol Lawson because the women on the women's side, it's good enough and they are really good. And Carol Lawson, by the way, already has a gold medal as a player from 2008 when she was on the Olympic team. Um, I think she's going to win a gold medal as a coach this time around as well. Well, 
I think FIBA is going to eventually change just like they did in basketball. They've, you know, instituted a bunch of changes to kind of come in line with the NBA over the years. This is the first time that three on three, I'm, I'm going to call it three on three because it's much easier to say it that way. Three on three basketball is being played in the Olympics. So the five-year program that you've talked about, she's been in it since the beginning because they just formed it five years ago in anticipation of it debuting at these Olympics if they continue to go off. So uh, I'm really happy that we're going to see that. Honestly, I love three-on-three basketball. It's street ball. It's, it's that kind of style. Of course, in the Olympics, it's not as rugged or raw as you would see at the Rucker Park or something like that or, or the Gus Macker tournaments, but that is the element of what this is going to go back to. Again, if you go, go find some ballers in the court, take them to the Olympics, USA should dust everybody every single time. But, of course, we have to play the games, and we wish Kara the best of luck with her team in Tokyo. But I also did want to talk about the men's side. And we have a few guys that could potentially be included on this roster. And uh, it really, like I said, we have probably 50 guys that could easily go to Tokyo and be a part of this Olympic team. We can only bring 12. So Jason, let's talk about the Blue Devils on the US side. Who do you think is in the running or even, you know, if you think clearly on this USA basketball team? So there, there are three obvious names. Uh, Kyrie Irving, who has played in the Olympics before, and if he wants to, I think um, uh, would, would, make, would make the 12-man roster. Um, I, look, one of the things with the U.S. Olympic team is the question of who wants to go and play. If LeBron James wants to go play, they're going to have LeBron James in the team. But I strongly suspect LeBron James will – he's already won – I think LeBron's already won three gold medals. I think LeBron will probably say he's not going to bother to play this time. And, and we, we've, we've seen in the past, we saw at the World Championships a couple of years ago, that, that the best U.S. players, a lot of them opted not to play. Uh, and, and so we don't know who among the, the guys who, who can decide, yes, I'm going to be on the team, or no, I'm not going to be on the team. Guys like Damian Lillard, guys like Steph Curry, uh, guys like Anthony Davis, uh, I can go on and on. We, we know the guys who are the 10 or so best players in the NBA. Um, uh, I think a, a fair number of those guys will opt not to play. I hope not all of them. Uh, Steph Curry, especially, who's never played an Olympic team. Kawhi Leonard's never played an Olympic team. I hope both those guys will go ahead and play. Um, so, but from the, and Kyrie, I believe, is, is right in that group. And, and I don't know what Kyrie's going to decide. It may depend on how far the Nets go in the playoffs to determine whether or not, look, the, uh, if a team goes to the NBA finals, um, I think its players will probably opt not to play in the Olympics because they'll need a break. And the Olympics run right up against the end of the NBA season. But next tier of players, guys who are really, really good, clearly would win a gold medal if they, if they, all, if they opted to play. In that group, I think there are a couple Blue Devils, Jason Tatum and Zion Williamson. And I, I think uh, as, as two of the top young stars in the league, um, arguably maybe even the top two, uh, well, Luka Doncic, but he's not American. But arguably the top two American stars in, in basketball right now, young, you know, under 22, um, are Jason Tatum and Zion Williamson. Uh, and I think those are the kind of the ideal guys to have on the Olympic team. So I think it's pretty likely, especially if either of those guys want to play. And I, I you know, Zion is not playing the playoffs at all. I, I, I think despite Tatum's heroics, yeah, <laughs> Boston not playing in the playoffs. Um, so, so I think that both of those, both those guys are pretty likely so I mentioned Kyrie. I mentioned those two. The third, the fourth one I want to mention is I think RJ Barrett is going to make Team Canada. 
And Donald, I didn't know. Do you want to get into the Team Canada discussion now? Or- yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, we were going to talk about just, you know, kind of how loaded they are becoming and, you know, how they're becoming one of the contenders uh, for the gold medal. Yeah. So, so Canada, I think is a really interesting situation because unlike the U.S. where our best players may opt not to play, in Canada, all their best players, Canada just announced all the players who are coming to their training camp and all the best Canadians are coming. Not So there are two guys who are missing, which is Jamal Murray and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who are both injured. Um, and arguably the two best players from Canada right now, but those guys both got hurt in the NBA season and they're, they obviously can't play because of that, but all the other good Canadians are playing. Andrew Wiggins is going to come play RJ Barrett, Dylan Brooks, um, Kelly Olynyk, uh, Tristan Thompson, uh, Nikhail Alexander Walker. I go on and on Trey Lyles, Brandon Clark, Lugens Dort. I mean, these are all NBA players. A lot of these guys are starters on their NBA teams. A lot of them are really good NBA players. Team Canada is going to have more NBA players than anyone except Team USA on their team. And, and I, now they have to get through a qualifying tournament first. They, they, they play Greece, China, uh, Uruguay, Turkey, and the Czech Republic have a little mini tournament they're playing um, at the very end of June to determine who gets to go to the Olympics. Canada is hosting that tournament. And I think if these players are playing, Canada is winning that tournament. <laughs> even, even if Greece has the Greek freak, who it's pretty unlikely. I think he probably won't make it because of the playoffs. Even if, even if Greece has him, Canada is the best of those teams far and away. Uh, and I think just think it'd be, I've been waiting several years now for Canada to really field their best team and to play against the U.S. Uh, make no mistake, Team USA will be more talented, but Canada will give them a run for their money because Canada is going to have a a you know an NBA loaded roster and RJ Barrett will almost certainly be a part of that and we should mention that RJ's dad Rowan Barrett is the general manager of Team Canada he is the guy who's responsible for getting all these Canadian NBA players to commit to playing for Team Canada Jason I wanted to come back to USA basketball and the and the potential Duke connections I hope that I, by the way I love seeing Duke guys playing on Team USA or Team Canada or whoever it is. I think it's a lot of fun. It's it's obviously incremental exposure for the program, but it's just fun to see those guys playing at, in that high level, you know, competition. With the Duke guys, I would be concerned that on on the Zion front, I know that he's had some injuries the last couple of years, and so I'd be worried about him potentially thinking that that he needs to sit it out so that he can make sure that he's fully healthy for next season, especially given all the expectations that are on him. Although as you pointed out, he he wasn't in the playoffs, so hopefully that's enough time off. Tatum, I think I think somewhat the same concern, but luckily, I mean, at least for him playing on USA, he didn't make it too far into the playoffs. Kyrie, I mean, if Kyrie stayed is in the playoffs and the Nets are are looking amazing, if if the Nets are making the finals, or you know, if if, if uh, guys like that make the finals, I tend to think they're not going to play USA. But LeBron has gone to the Olympics a couple times after um, going really deep into the into the playoffs. So it's yeah, not but the finals are la- the, the, the finals are later this year. I know. You know had- so, so everything's just kind of thrown off. L- like I said, any, anybody, I think anybody in the NBA finals, and I think it's possible that a lot of the guys that make the conference finals are going to say, I'm just too tired. I played too many games and it's too right. soon. And even if, even if the, even if they technically could make it, they need the time off. And, and this year has been, has been so crazy for the players. I know that even though they weren't fully quarantined, they still were under a lot of protocol for for staying away from people during covid so i think that's had a, a really draining effect on a lot of the team personnel so i i would forgive anybody for saying you know what 
I'm good. I'm going to go take a, a, a the summer vacation that I thought that I've been able to have the last few years and, and haven't really gotten to do normally. So hopefully then, then those guys continue on their strong trajectories and we get them all in the Olympics in 2024. By the way, RJ Barrett, I think would be the first non-American Duke player to be in the Olympics or a world cup since Marty Poshis represented Lithuania in the 2010 FIBA world cup. So uh, that would be really cool to see and really would allow me to cheer for not necessarily cheer for Canada, but cheer for RJ Barrett. I will uh, allow as he tries to go for some. <laughs> I will allow Duke fans to root for Team Canada for explicitly for rooting for RJ Barrett, especially if there are no Duke guys on Team USA. Totally fine. He can he can he can get the silver medal. That's cool. That's right. Silver yeah, totally silver cool. is great. It's a and great hey, if accomplishment. You are Canadian. If you are Canadian, you should be excited about this. Our, we know that our audience is not limited to folks in the United States. So if you are a Canadian Duke fan, here you go. How do you do, kid? How do you do, neighbors? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to be just from the USA perspective, having those three guys on the Olympic team would be phenomenal. And honestly, is again, it's going to be the toughest decision ever for Greg Popovich because how do you how do you side between those guys and other guys that are thrown into that mix. This just, it's just in, impossible to do. So uh, I don't envy that decision whatsoever, but I am really looking forward to seeing what Greg Popovich decides when it comes to this national team. And so let's take a quick break and up next it's survey results time. You don't want to miss it. Sam is ready. We're ready. I hope you are. Stay tuned. Okay, we are back. And yes, folks, it is now finally that time. A couple months ago, as you all know, we conducted a survey where we asked you questions about how we are doing, what you like and don't like about the podcast, and what you'd like to see more or less of. And we also put ourselves on the hot seat here where you could grade our performances individually. Sam was the mastermind behind the survey. And so I now give him the floor to discuss the results that he has carefully analyzed. So Sam, take it away. I want to start with a bit of a blanket statement that uh, I, I learned a little bit in business school about conducting surveys, and I, I would by no means consider myself an expert. But one thing that I do know about surveys is that when you survey an audience, you are going to find a lot of information, some of which is going to be contradictory and not helpful. So we ask you, should the podcast be longer or shorter? We got a whole mix of answers. I do think actually that, that we, we found that folks typically, uh, or folk more so than not, um, of the people that listened or that responded to the survey, um, people want more shorter episodes. So that's definitely something that, that we can work on and something that we've been trying to do uh, throughout this season, although we're a bunch of you know, long-winded gentlemen here. So uh, sometimes we just go longer. So we'll do that. I, I should also add that um, we're, we're very grateful for all the people that responded to the survey. It, I think it's about half a percent of our listeners responded. So anything that we tell you here is representative of a very small sample of the DVR listenership. I'm not 
quoting that number to, to say that I'm disappointed by it. I'm actually really encouraged and, and really grateful that, that folks took the time because I know that the way that we built it, it did take a few minutes to, to actually get through the thing. And we didn't offer you any, any sort of incentive for uh, opening the survey or doing it other than the fact that we were pestering you. So yeah, Sam, thank Sam, you. Sam, so you, you should note, it, we still had hundreds of responses. I mean, like, that's pretty great. Yeah, so, so I, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And, and, uh, and I think it also, in addition to getting all the survey responses, I think that we've gotten more listener emails in the last few months since we talked about the fact that we were doing the survey. So clearly, uh, there is some, there's some need from, from you, the listeners to be getting in touch with us. So, so that's awesome. And, and we hope that we can continue to do that. I will go through a few of the things that I think are, are top of mind for me that I would love to share with not just the two of you, but with the audience. So a um, couple of things I said that one of the one of the things I found is that people want more shorter episodes. So I think we can we can try to do that. I did want to go through a few interesting things. One was we asked you who your favorite guests have been, and we didn't list any of the, the guests. We've had a number of guests on the show over the years between former players, journalists, uh, coaches, all kinds of people that that we've had on the program. And the people who were most popular Actually, I, I don't know, Donald or Jason, if you had, if you had, I, you had access to the survey results. I don't know if either of you dug in too deeply. And do you know who our, our most popular uh, guests were on this program? Kenny. Yeah, I was going to say Kenny Denard, definitely. Um, there's, there's a big three uh, who are there and they're all former players. So Kenny Denard is one of them. Who else would, do you think is on there? I mean, Jay Billis. Jay Billis is also one of, one of the big three in, in DVR podcast guests. And there's one more. And I think this would be the hardest one to guess, but then I'm going to say his name and you're going to say, oh yeah, he was a great interview. How about Chris Burgess? Chris Burgess got a couple of votes, but, but he was not at the top. It was well, Chris Burgess Stanley. was a great interview. <laughs> Chris Burgess was a great interview. Go back and listen to that one. But Cassius Stanley got, uh, oh yeah, was, was the other, was the other top guy. So Kenny Denard, Cassius Stanley and Jay Billis kind of far and away the most popular guests that we've had. And, and, uh, I know we've talked about bringing Jay Billis back. I would like to bring Cassius Stanley back. Hopefully there's, there's more to talk about with him. Hopefully his NBA career really takes off and then we'd have even more excuse to bring him on. The other guy who uh, we've spoken with, who I think got a lot of positive attention was Brendan Marks, the uh, writer for The Athletic who covers Duke and, and UNC basketball. So it's great having him on. We also got a few votes for John Shire. Have we interviewed John Shire directly on the show before? Yes. We it have. About three, it was about three years ago. It was right after he had a baby. Oh, there. Um, we, that's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. I didn't even remember. <laughs> See, this is this is how long we've been doing this, and how many <laughs> how many cool interviews we've done. So I guess we're. I guess I'm too grateful. I did want to note um, on the topic of guys we haven't interviewed. Two people uh, noted that they loved when we interviewed JJ Redick. I'm pretty sure we haven't we interviewed not, JJ. We've not interviewed JJ. No, we would yeah. like to interview JJ Redick. That would be really fun. But he's got his own podcast, and he and he interviews cool. Hey JJ, come himself. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. JJ, come on the podcast. And I think we put out this pod podcast before or this survey. We put it out before we interviewed David Rubenstein, so I'm going to assume that he would have gotten uh, he would have gotten positive press, but but we didn't get to hear about that here because the survey came out in March, and I think we interviewed him in April, which is a bummer. So um, what was cool though was was we heard a lot of uh, a lot of the, a lot of different former Duke players that that got um, that got love from from listeners in the in that survey. Um, Shane Battier, Jason mentioned Chris Burgess, Nolan Smith, Justin Robinson, Reggie Love. We've had we've had a ton of cool guys on the show. Another thing that we asked that I think is something that that we're going to be able to to maybe change around the the way that we do the program. And and by the way, 
I heard from a number of listeners that they that they like more of the structure that we that we put in this year. So positive feedback on on the way that we were kind of doing the good, the bad, the headlines this year. So I think we're going to keep doing it that way. We've tinkered throughout the years with with the way that we've structured the um, the game analysis. And admittedly, this has mostly just been us kind of doing it as we go and, and figuring out what works and what doesn't for us. But we haven't really asked you uh, until now. And, and it is tough because we can't ask you for what you want until we've tried a few things. So I think it was sort of finally time for us to ask. Um, one thing that uh, listeners indicated that they did want to hear more of were player interviews and and the player interviews seem to be very popular. So we'll do our best. We we work very hard to, easy. to get those player interviews. <laughs> Jason does a lot of that sourcing. So uh, Jason, work harder on this show because... Uh... <laughs> yeah, because I haven't been working very hard lately. That's right. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> I, I think I saw a couple that were like, yeah, uh, just get Coach K in the podcast. Like, yeah, we'll just... Yeah, just get we'll Coach K, sure. We would love to do that. If, um, if we do that, that might be the last podcast we ever do because I might retire. But I will say that I can't that count one, how many. I can't even count how many times I've asked for Coach K. <laughs> we, I, I, one of the other um, kind of positive things that I took away. We asked you if you liked the way that we use Ken Palm and advanced analytics. We asked if you liked the way we use um, articles from other publications or from the DBR uh, media interviews. All of those got like pretty good scores, and and folks said we like how this is going. So that's great. Uh, we, we appreciate that. And, and we work hard to try to bring different types of analysis into the show because it doesn't have to all be numbers. It doesn't have to all be interviews. We appreciate that there's value in all of those things. So, um, so that's really cool. The other, uh, sort of set of questions, or I think it was a single question, but then it has a set of answers was what are the topics that, that people want us to cover? And this was actually interesting to me. There, there were some results here that I was a little bit surprised by, and I have a suggestion that I'm going to run by you guys, and 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 we'll see how you how you feel about this. So the top thing we I asked um, uh, for a series of topics. Would you like us to talk about them more or less than we already do? Duke men's basketball recruiting was like the the most popular thing we want you to talk about more. And I think we've tried to to incorporate a little bit more recruiting this year, but but certainly there is more to mine on that front. So I think I think there are a number of ideas that we can chase down for making the recruiting coverage better. The other thing was uh, Duke in the NBA which again, something we've tried to do, I think more recently, especially with the bubble going on, um, was, was something that we were focused on more. So, so definitely something we can incorporate the, on the topic of, of, you know, on those topics, things that it seems like our listeners are not as enthusiastic about are the other Duke sports. And, and, and this was personally disappointing because I happen to be a, a Duke football fan. I, when I was in school, I, I went to a lot of other Duke games. I know that both of you are, are Duke fans, not just of, of men's basketball, but of the other sports. But I'm, I, I'm open to this to sort of suggestion that our listeners are more focused on men's basketball than they are on other Duke sports like football, like women's basketball, like men's lacrosse, the sports that are notionally sort of the, the other most popular sports on campus. So one thing I, I think we could do, and, and guys, tell me if you, if you agree with this, is we can push all that discussion sort of to the end of the program. Um, and I would like to still be able to talk about it. I don't know what you think about that. I agree because I think there's a lot of things that need to be discussed. And frankly, a lot of things that we're excited about as well. I mean, yeah. Duke, Duke baseball and Duke softball won ACC titles for the first time in a long time. Uh, I'm sorry for softball it was the first time ever for baseball. And baseball first time it was in like their first, years. first, well, I think it was their first ACC tournament championship. Tournament, yes, they've won the ACC, but that was back like 60 years ago. So, yeah, like, in, like, like they're, they're like the football team. They that. hadn't won the you know the ACC in, in decades. <laughs> yeah, you have to be excited about that, and and I know we are excited about a lot of different sports and the success of our programs. And honestly, from some of the 
some of the things that I saw on the survey. A lot of you out there are as well, too, especially alums. I think some non-alums may be focused in more on the basketball, but some of the alums were like, hey, we are really, really excited to hear about the success of all of our sports programs and our athletics department as well. So I think we're going to keep doing it, but I am open to you know moving that towards the end when we kind of wrap it up with maybe parting shots I mean, again. We already kind of do it mostly toward the end. Um, but, uh, you know. It, it's tough, right? Because it, it because, is tough. As I it's said, hard. <laughs> we, we ask a survey question, we get a range of responses, and then we have to interpret it based on a, based mm-hmm. on a small set of data. So, um, but, but it's interesting, and, and, it, and it's neat to hear from people. So, so I like that one. Uh, we did ask for feedback about the hosts. I'm glad to report that we all scored very well in general uh, Duke competence and enthusiasm. I did note that I was the funniest, which I, I had teased about, and, and I'm still uh, going to hold I'm definitely over. the least funny. Yeah, Jason's the least funny, uh, but he turns I, out I can the be best. the middle. I can be the, the middle bear funny. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and, and Jason, Jason comes, out, comes out highest on all the other categories, but, I, uh, but across Do all I really? Them, wait, wait, really? Yeah. Yeah, wait, Jason wait, comes, list, list all the categories that I scored highest in. Uh, hoops knowledge, <laughs> uh, quality, uh, quality of analysis, uh, Duke knowledge and enthusiasm. That was the thing that we were best at overall was Duke knowledge and enthusiasm of, uh, among, Look, among all. We're really good at that. <laughs> yeah. It's, if you sit down two plus times per week for an hour to talk about Duke basketball with people in other cities, we would hope <laughs> you better score high on passion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, looking at like the, the, the scores that we each got, or like the average scores that we got in each of these categories. I was the lowest on, on Duke passion and enthusiasm. So I, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that personally. It's fine. My score on that category was higher than anybody else's score in any other category. So that is the thing that we are best at. Uh, and then, and then I also am the funniest. So I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to be proud of that, but, but uh, we're glad that you like us. Cause if you didn't like us, man, you are really wasting your time here. That would, that would really be <laughs> an enormous bummer on the topic of uh, other podcasts that people listen to. I didn't, I didn't actually fully like rank these yet, but I'm, I'm just doing a sort of qualitative look. Lots of people like Bill Simmons, uh, which I don't find surprising. Uh, it turns out also a lot of people like the Ion College Basketball podcast, which is one of my favorite shows. And a lot of people like JJ Reddick's podcast, The Old Man and the Three. So my big takeaway here is that people who listen to the Duke Basketball podcast, Duke Basketball Report podcast, love basketball. Also, it, it means JJ Reddick coming to podcast. Yeah, and JJ Reddick should come on the podcast. And 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 if Bill Simmons and Gary Parrish want to come on the podcast, you guys are welcome to. So we'll interview any of you. Bill, uh, the, the crazy thing about Bill Simmons for me, like I don't listen to his sports stuff. I listen to his movie stuff. The Rewatchables is a wonderful movie podcast. The Rewatchables mm-hmm. also got a got got a lot of uh, got a lot of love. I see a lot of uh, a lot of NPR programs, which I'm personally a fan of. So I see a lot of a lot of NPR, a lot of five thirty eight politics. Um, I took a lot of, of I took a lot of the the list and went through to make sure that I had them on there or at least listen to them. I, I have to say, you guys like a lot of podcasts, and I can't add, you know, whatever it was like. I think it kind of like eighty seven new podcasts that I tried to add to my feed. That doesn't work, so I did delete a lot of them. But some of them are still on there, and it's thanks to you all out there for uh, suggesting them. I'll go organize this list more thoroughly um, either this week or next week, and then and publish the whole thing. Cause it actually would be fun to share with listeners to be like, what, what is everybody in the DBR podcast community listening to? Because it's not just, it's not just sports and pop culture. There's, there's all kinds of different stuff. And, and when we asked the question, I made a point of, of posting what our favorite shows are so that I could give people a little nudge. Like you don't have to say that, that your favorite shows are all about sports. Um, you can, you can tell us that they're all kinds of things. 
I will say shout out to the like three or four of you that I saw. I know there might have been maybe one or two more that listed my other podcasts on the yeah, Stars and Stripes. Stars and Stripes to see. So appreciate all you guys for apparently you love my voice because you listen to it doubly, which is kind of kind of scary in a way. But I, I do appreciate you chiming in on both of those. I also uh, needed to give a shout out. I, I, I put the, the two shows that I put in as my other favorites are 99% Invisible, which is an architecture and design show that I really enjoy, and Effectively Wild, which is the um, Fangraphs baseball podcast, which I love. And then the other one that I didn't mention is Revolutions, which is a history podcast that is uh, that is still going strong. And, and a, a couple people mentioned that one that they like, too. So that was really cool. Jason, did you have any other commentary on on the the other content that people are consuming out on the Internet? No, no, I, I, I'm, I, I marvel at how many podcasts people are able to, to consume. I mean, Donald talked about 87. I, I really only have about five or six that I, that I make sure I listen to every episode. And when we've already mentioned most of them, uh, you know, it's 538 Politics, it's us, it's Ion College Basketball, it's the Rewatchables, it's the New York Times, the Daily. By the way, if you, if you don't listen to the Daily, it, it's only about 20 minutes, most episodes, it'll make you smarter, period, end of story. So I just so there we have go. a lot of time for podcasts. Thank goodness. <laughs> I, I make a lot of time for podcasts. So um, I, I, I thought this was fun. Uh, there were a lot of nice words that, that people left for us for why they listen to the show. And I, I think that was all well and good. Most of it, I think, comes out in, in our Duke enthusiasm and our, and our desire to kind of bring, bring a little bit more to the table. So that was fun. There were some great ideas about about ways that we can improve the show, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna belabor all of them. I did want to note a couple of funny ones that that people put in and 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 jokes that people left in in the comments that that I thought were worth retelling. One was um, you should add video, although y'all may not be made for TV. They just <laughs> the listener left that right in there, and you know that might be a fair assessment. I I'm oh no I, I'm not no, sure I'm definitely made for TV. <laughs> Look at this face, it's premeditated. Y'all can't see it out there, but if whew, uh, someone else did good. Someone else recommended don't coach the hosts to speed up the pace too much. Uh, I don't know who you think is coaching us. We we coach ourselves. We're uh, we're uh, you know we're we're, we're a self coach team. We're we're putting ourselves in the game. So. I think I think because we've been doing this for a while, we naturally talk fast and and know when to jump in on each other and that kind of stuff. So it doesn't, in many ways, this doesn't feel like a real conversation that you would have with someone out there because. We, we've we've reached the point where we know exactly how to do this kind of thing uh, I would and, hope. and deliver as much information as possible to the people as quickly as possible. Look at me talking really fast right now. <laughs> honestly, honestly, this is the one thing that I think people who listen to podcasts and don't do them think is very natural. This is the most difficult thing to do on a podcast is to take something that you know and not talk about it like you talk about it with your friends or with your family. Because if I'm talking about Duke basketball with, with my friends, there's a lot more, is a lot more animated. There's a lot more curse words and there's a lot more just like demonstrative, you know, demonstrative behavior when it comes to how we react to different things. We and have to we kind got- of tone it down and then make it so that it's presentable to people where they can listen to it later and still feel that passion, but still kind of get something out of it. It's well, very and, and there, there's less delivery of, of information. I mean, look, mm-hmm. we're, we're here as fans. And, and our passion is a large, large, large part of this, but we also need to be providing interesting content and, and information that folks don't otherwise have. I mean, look, how many people out there listening to this podcast knew that Lou Gens Dort was one of the guys who was going to be playing for Team Canada this summer? I, I'm Lou bringing Dort. the knowledge. <laughs> like it's, it's, I mean, also that part too, it's changed the way that I watch the game. 
you can't watch fully as a fan. You kind of have to take note of different things. I know like we always chat during the games about things that we've seen or something like that, or even just taking notes during the game. I think those are little things that have changed over the course of the years where I take that approach to basketball games now. It's, it's almost hard to go to a Duke game because you can't do everything that you would do in the, in, with your computer in front of you and watching the TV and kind of reacting to things. You kind of have to take it from a different element. So it is a little, it's very difficult, but it's something that I'm glad we've been able to really improve over the years. And one more uh, half funny and, and half prescient comment that we got that I wanted to highlight have a surreptitious and unblockable feed into inside Carolina just to annoy the hell out of them. I thought this was hilarious. So I'm, I'm working on that one. And then, and then the listener followed up with, okay, if not that it would be really cool to interview non-athlete celebrities, business entertainment, or elsewhere during the off season that are huge Duke basketball fans. Guys, we did it. We got David Rubenstein on and, and we'll get more whenever, whenever we find them. And, and I want to note that I have asked for on numerous occasions, Ken Jeong, who I think yeah, the, 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 the comedian we were close too. Huh? We were close. Yeah. I've, I've gotten to his agent who said he's too busy right now and I'll, I'll hit him up again, but I, he, he wasn't, he's a huge he wasn't Duke fan. too busy to do class of 2020 graduation uh, commencement last year, virtually. So, yeah. and apparently he's mm. going to come back for our graduation. That's, that's supposedly happening in the fall that president price just announced. So um, Ken, we know that we know that you're not that busy. We know that well, I mean, we'll he, go to, I'll go to Durham. He's busy we'll watching Durham that weekend and we'll make it work. He's busy watching non singers sing. So he's kind of <laughs> busy. <laughs> I guess he's busy. So uh, a couple he'd other, a great, good, he'd be a great one. He'd be because he's a huge Duke fan. A couple other good suggestions that we got that, that I think we can try chasing down. One of them that, that multiple people brought up. And, and I think this comes from the, the slice of the, of the listenership that are also DBR forum readers is, is about leveraging the DBR community more. We've done a little bit of this in the past. And I think it's fun when we get folks who are the, the more prolific posters on the DBR to, to come on and, and share thoughts and analysis. So I definitely think we can, we can get more into that. Um, uh, <laughs> a couple of folks uh, had nice things to say about return to glory and the work that Jason's done there and, and about doing some other projects on that front. So, so there's lots to explore. I think the, can, the neat thing. About, can, yeah. can I just <laughs> go really ahead, quick, Jason. I've had people email me and like, Oh, this is great. I love it. It's so much fun. Which team are you doing next? And I'm like, wait, wait, <laughs> people, <laughs> this has been <laughs> a year of work. Um, I'm not sure I'm doing another team next. I probably will at some point, but let, so, let me finish this one first, okay? <laughs> the, uh, the, the cool thing is that the basketball season gives us a lot of, of off time, so to say, for us to think about and, and do sort of special projects like this. So um, more to come. We don't know what it is yet, but we'll share it with you when you're ready. So I, I think that's it for, for survey stuff. I will, like I said, I'll, I'll work on posting the, the list of podcasts that folks listen to. Thank you again to everybody who listens week after week to us, and especially uh, to those of you who who got in touch with us via the survey to share your thoughts. It, it's really helpful. It really, um, it makes us feel good about what we're doing, but also uh, it is helpful for sort of helping us to, to grow this program and, and make it more of what you're looking for. So thank you again. Great. Yeah, no, we definitely appreciate everyone who uh, filled out the survey, who, who sends us all these uh, comments, questions, uh, suggestions of the email, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and, and also thank you, Sam, for putting all this together, the, the, you know, helping us put together the survey and most importantly, tabulating the results, which I know aren't easy to do uh, when you're going through a survey that has a lot of questions and a lot of responses to each question. So we appreciate all of you out there. Before we get out of there very quickly, 
Jason, do we have an update uh, on Return to Glory? Is there going to be an episode this week or are we, uh, are we taking a break since you're still on vacation? Uh, so I, because I'm still on vacation, because actually because this week I am coming back to Atlanta, uh, I'm going to be busy packing and you know packing up my sons from college and all that other kind of stuff. There will be a, what I call a short episode. There, there'll be a um, an episode where I announce the fact that um, that we will not have a long episode, and and during that episode I will have a couple little short snippets like I did last time. I had a, I had a little story from Jay Will that hadn't made it in to other episodes. I'm going to find a couple things that have made it into other episodes that, that I will put in this week. But then starting next week, we are at the final four. That's where we are in Return to Glory. We're going to have- finally get to learn about Mike Dunleavy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mike Dunleavy is going to feature prominently in the uh, final few episodes of Return to Glory that are coming up. Yeah. And, and one thing that we had been kicking around is when Return to Glory is over, uh, we'll do a reactions episode to that where uh, Sam and I get to talk about the, the 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 series. I get to talk about living that season since I was a freshman uh, during that season and just really get to kind of just take another episode to kind of reminisce down memory lane uh, since it's been 20 years. They they cannot get enough attention with 2001 Duke Blue Devils. So uh, thank you, Jason, for that. We look forward to the short episode this week. Uh, but that will do it for episode 316 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends about the show. We really appreciate it. As we move into the summer, we're going to try to keep bringing you content on things you like when we can. So if you have questions or topics that you wish for us to consider, again, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. So for Sam and Jason, I am Donald. This is the DBR Podcast. And now, Duke Band, the floor is yours. Take us home. on our agenda for today but if uh damian lillard was a duke person we'd be doing an entire podcast on him right uh-huh now. i was just gonna say i i was up till 2 a.m last night because i was packing and couldn't pack because every time i tried to even like take out a, a shirt dame would hit a three-pointer <laughs> it was crazy that was, yeah i mean i've seen wow i've seen him do anything like that since the last time he did something like that Ha, 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 ha.